Thank you, Paul. And lastly, good afternoon. Everybody have a good week? It's about three of you. Well, very good. We'll work on the rest of it then. Very good. Let's take our Bibles this afternoon and turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, as we continue our journey studying grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll begin reading at verse 7 through the end of the chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We have We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things are not seen are eternal. May God add a special blessing to the reading of His Word, and let us just pause for prayer before we begin our study this afternoon. Father God, thank You again for this day. Thank You for being an awesome, sovereign Lord God, not only Creator, but Provider of a Savior, that being Jesus Christ, who took upon Himself the sins of the world, that we could go free through that gift called grace, free to us, but cost our Savior everything. Free to us, but cost you, Father, more than is imaginable. Now, Father, these words that we've read of the Scriptures, the the truth that comes from yourself, as Jesus even declared, thy word is truth. May you use it to minister to our hearts today. May you allow us to see you more clearly than ever before, and relationally more fresh than we've ever known. Father, we're here because we love you. And Father, I would ask that you would just take these moments, utilize them in a manner that would be best for us and glorifying to you. We look with anticipation now, asking that the Holy Spirit would solely and exclusively be our teacher, utilizing the word, and we thank you, Father, for what you will, you will do. 
And these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, <clears throat> grace. I'm not even sure how many, how many years. Oh, how many years? Has it seemed like years we've been working on it? Probably. <laughs> Sorry about that. Weeks, I was going to say, but uh, how many weeks we've been involved in, in studying grace? A, a number of aspects. It's so huge, so large. The impacts of it are just gigantic, but fulfilling and overpowering in what literally can be accomplished through God's grace in our lives. It was interesting, I thought, even today, in verse 7 of chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, um, we are viewed as, it's viewed as the treasure, that is salvation, that gift of God. The gift of grace is literally held within earthen vessels, or what's perceived even as a clay pot. How much value does a clay pot have? The eyes of the beholder, what'd you say, Lynn? It's just storage. Just storage, yeah. Yeah, not very expensive storage either. Yeah. But the cool thing is, is we having this earthen vessel, this outer body, this thing that is, he's going to go on to say that is decaying, within it is the coolest, the most awesome, the most enlightening treasure of all time for all places. Am I excited yet? Yes. Very good. I want you to get excited about Jesus too, because within you, that earthen vessel lives Jesus, if you've trusted him as Savior. That is the good, great news, and that's called grace. Grace, literally, that is you are enveloping within you. Jesus Christ living within you. The Bible talks about you were baptized, uh, the Holy Spirit baptized you into Jesus Christ. I can't think of anything positionally that could be any more magnificent And we want to talk about that today. Even sometimes our clay, we're kind of like a clay pot. Like someone has said, we're crack pots, aren't we? There's there's all kind of cracks, aren't there? But Jesus, and this this is really cool. I just thought it right now, because that's a gift from God, the Holy Spirit. Think of it. We're, We're talking about shining out, and we're talking about a paradox between weakness, our weakness, and God's strength. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Well, think of this. When we're cracked, God's light shines clear right through our weaknesses. Isn't that cool? And it's all about God. That's really all about Him. Our, for our good, we talked about that a few weeks ago, Romans 8.28, He's really interested in our good for His glory. So what it's all about. Well, with that, um, today there's, there's, there's a whole lot of things that are rolling around in my mind. But primarily, we, we want to get a, a grip on it. We're going to look at Paul's life. We're going to look at Paul's life and the, es- and the essence of the troubles, the trials, all of the struggles that he endured. And, and I look out there and I know, you know what? If you're living, you have trouble. You're either headed into trouble, in trouble, or getting out of trouble. <laughs> That's literally life, isn't it? It just doesn't quit. That's the trouble with life. That's exactly right. It truly is, isn't it? So how do we deal with that? How, how, is, is that just what life is, is just trouble? How do we get through it? Now, it's interesting that we're going to see this in the script. We're going to read some passages unfolding for us, unpacking Paul's trouble. 
I want you to see it vivid. I want to see up close because sometimes what it does, it's amazing how I've, I've got some folks that talk to me during the week that are in the ranching farming game, and they'll pick up, Larry, just tell me how it's going, and I'll just unfold. And they said, every time we talk to you, we feel better about ourselves. <laughs> I said, I do what I can. I do what I can. Right? Well, actually, Paul is much the same way. He unfolds for us what's going on in his life, and when you get a grip on that, you begin to see this great man of God struggled just like us and beyond. Let's do that for a moment. Let's get into uh, 2 Corinthians is a fantastic book. It really is. Um, I'd like to just reread, if you wouldn't mind, some of the things that he, he lists as we, but it sets us up. Verse 8 this earthen vessel that's harboring or has Jesus Christ living within it says, we, verse 8, we are troubled on every side. Every side. Turn with me now to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to do a lot of stuff in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And let's read. I'm going to start in verse 16 and we'll read through verse 29. It's, it's, it's an extended reading, but nonetheless, you'll begin to see Paul's sufferings. It's even detailed that way, and maybe in some of your Bibles. Beginning at verse 16, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 begins this way. I say again, let no man think me a fool, if otherwise yet as a fool receive me, that I may boast myself a little. That which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting, seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will glory also. For you suffer fools gladly, seeing you yourselves are wise. If you suffer, if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a, man's, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face, I speak as concerning reproach as though we had been weak. Howbeit, whereinsoever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labor. Now watch carefully. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings, often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among the false brethren. And you, you haven't figured out the perils. He's periling, isn't he? In weariness, in painfulness, in watching often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all of the churches, who is weak, and I am not weak, who is offended, and I burn not. Are you starting to think, he had some trouble? He had a lot of trouble. And you say, wait a minute, isn't this Paul the super apostle, the one that God was gifting and gave massive blessings to? What is that about? I thought once the closer you got to Jesus, the less trouble you'd have. I'm here to say that's a big, fat lie. I think the Greek word for that is baloney. <laughs> Point of the matter is, is I'm going to say something right now. The closer that you walk with Jesus, 
the bigger targets you have on your back from the enemy because he wants to silence what Jesus is doing. So what's the deal? How does he do it? How does Paul get through this? What is it that makes him, and we saw it, he's down and out and yet he doesn't give up. In fact, let's go back now to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's read it again. I started you in verse 8, but let's continue. We're troubled on every side. We took some level of, of unfolding of that, that. It's very true for Paul, especially. Watch. Trouble on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. How does he do that? What keeps him going? How does he do this? How should we be doing this? Now, obviously, everyone in this room has never had a down day or a down moment, ever. Boy, did it get quiet in here. And you have that sheepish little smile, right? I'm going to say something right now. If, again, if you're living, and especially if you're in Christ, the attacks come. That's why in Ephesians chapter 6, God is so clear. Paul is, that's written by him as well, saying, Brethren, put on the whole armor of God, not just one piece. Put on the whole thing because you're going to need it all because the enemy is strong and he's powerful and he's going to come at you with everything he has. But you, in my power and my defense, are safe. Isn't that good stuff? What if you would have left that part out? <laughs> God's not like He doesn't leave anything out that we need. I'm going to call that, what would you say, and you, and you think of this for a moment, take Paul's life, and he probably didn't make it past 60 years of age. He was martyred, taken to Rome, and I mean, each step along the way was just a harbor of struggle, wasn't it? And yet he never gave up. Let's look at some of the last things that describe for us about him. I was just thinking now in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, and let's go there for a second. This is the last words that he penned. First Timothy, I'm sorry, second. Second comes after first, doesn't it? Yes, exactly. Second Timothy, uh, chapter four, and I'd like to look at verse sixteen. These are these are just personal thoughts, if you will. Look what he says. Now, this he's he's um, he's obviously Second Timothy, chapter four, and verse sixteen. Toward the very end of this little letter, to his dear. A uh, young man that he was mentoring, Timothy, and he says at my first answer, in other words, the first trial that he was in Rome, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. You ever been there where you're the, you are so isolated, so alone, at least you feel that way. You see, do you see how human Paul is? He's so human. And now I lost my place. You guys are still in 2 Timothy. Let me get back there because I want to read something else. I'll be right there. I think I'm coming. There we go. Chapter 4. And let's look at what he has said. He's declaring in verse 7. Verse 6. He knows it's the end. His hour is closing in. He says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Isn't that cool? There's a man that went the whole gamut. He went the the full course. And he says, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. But how did he do it? What would we call this? What would we call this time in his life of where he 
basically, you know, we talked last week uh, about grace searching us out. Grace search. I'm going to tell you something. Grace searched Paul out. Remember, he's on the road to Damascus. He's got a mission in mind. He's going to take some more Christians and crack the whip and take them down. And Jesus said, I want you to meet me today. <laughs> Changed his life forever. Even had a name change. Went from Saul to Paul. Think of that event. But from that point forward, after trusting Jesus as his Savior, I'm going to, he lived what he believed. He believed what he lived, but he also lived what he believed. He was on fire for Jesus from that point forward. And just think of all of those things that unfolded in his life. One day after a time. It was so moment by moment at times. Remember uh, Paul and Silas in prison? In the middle of the, it's about midnight it says. They've been beaten. Chastised to never speak in Jesus' name. What are they doing at midnight in jail? In stocks. I, I don't want to make this pleasant because it wasn't. There was no pleasantries here. By the way, pain is pain. Suffering is suffering. I'm not of the mindset of which there's another group that say, oh, there is no pain. It's just in our mind. There is no pain. It's just not. We just to rule it. No, people, there's pain and there's suffering. Don't forget that's true. But how do they deal with it? They were singing hymns at midnight. Ay, yay, yay, yay. What did that? The Holy Spirit? God? True. How, did he, how do you get lined up with that? Have you been in prison in stocks, having been whipped and beaten and at midnight? You all of a sudden want to break out into a, a praise service? Kudos to Paul, right? You say, go get him, Paul. But you know what? The same Holy Spirit that, lives within, that lived within Paul is the same one that lives within you. And if I'm overpowering today, I can't even apologize. This is what it's all about. The same Jesus that lives in you is the same one that appeared and lived in Paul. He's no different. He's not weaker today. He's not a sissy today. He's the real Jesus, the same one that lived. So, so you see what I'm saying? Whatever it was that Paul got accomplished, whatever he's, he saw is the same thing that we can have involved in our lives. Now, what would we call that period of time from being converted until he, was, he fought the good fight and he's ready to go? I don't know how many years it was, it was exactly, but what would we say? That was a race as he determined it. But I'm going to say something. That's a test of endurance endurance. You know, sometimes when a trouble, when a trial hits you, it's amazing, isn't it? It hits you and smacks you and you say, I'm okay. I've got this because God's got it. You're okay, right? And then it grows into week two and week three and month 12 and year eight and year 15 and year 20 and year... Do you have a God? You know what I'm saying? You see, there's a difference between the initial attack and enduring this struggle of trouble. And I'm here to say, and you can see it. That's why I read all those verses. Paul was able to endure. What was his secrets? There's got to be a secret to this. There has to be. There just has to be. Well, there's a few. And tell us, please, would you? We're going to let the Bible tell us. We're going to let the Bible tell us trouble endurance 
I would like to take you another passage. I think you're, I don't even know where I left you, but let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, a passage that many of you are familiar with. But again, it's interesting to see how Paul responded in a yet another difficult situation. Now, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'll just fill in some blanks, but because I want to keep moving, but 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is a, is a really cool chapter because Paul is talking about himself in another person, if you will, saying that someone ascended to the third heaven and was able to see what no other man had seen. And it was him. He was speaking of himself. And now think of that for a second, to be able to see those uh, vividly, those things that are heavenly, and you're there and you're just immersed in all of that, and then you go back to earth, if you will. Well, there was a vision. He says he didn't know, but, but you can see how full his mind was with all of this stuff. Now, think of that. It would be so easy to say, that doesn't happen to just anyone. I got some stuff I saw that was pretty cool. And you know what? That's the, just the beginning of pride, isn't it? Just to be exalted just a little bit. Did you guys want to hear about my trip to heaven? I could write a book. I could sell something. I could have a movie. And yes, you say, well, not really right then. But do you, you see what I'm saying? People have the same desires, the same system, the same stuff and pumping up. And God allowed something. He didn't bring it, but he allowed something that literally Paul is able to see not as a difficulty or a trial or a persecution or any other word we would want to do to it. We could certainly say it's trouble. But look how he responds to it. Let's go now. Let's go to verse, uh, let's start. Oh, let's see. That, that would be good. Yeah. Verse 7. Let's start in verse 7. And la- this, is, this is beautiful. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. I mean, this, this was not just a click in for a second into heaven and just how, and they were gone. He had a full package look. All of these things that are immersing him. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. How many of you, um, stop there for just a second. Now, sometimes we just read stuff and it's so common. It's, we see it so many times. Because I was going to ask you, what was Paul given? And he asked the Lord for, to, to take it away three times. A thorn in the flesh, right? You'd all, you'd all know that. But I want you to step back. What, what does it feel like to have a thorn? Let's just... What's the nastiest thorn I can think of? Uh, a thistle. Cactus. Excuse me? Cactus. Yeah, cactus. That's good. What were you going to say? Rose. Rose. That's a nasty little bugger too, isn't it? Now, did you know, is there ever, does a thorn ever feel good? No. In other words, you know, there's the, the entrance and there's that ooh. But you know what? It never goes away. Have you had that invisible thorn from a thistle or something? You've, and you've made the mistake of grabbing on to, say, some hay that's plugged in a conditioner and you didn't have your gloves on and you were going to pull that out. And, and you get the easy ones. And then there's that one that you can't see, but boy, can you feel it. Right? It's miserable almost, isn't it? And, you, and you, it doesn't matter if you have glass. You just can't see it. it but it's right there. It's, that's what I'm talking about. That's what it really is, a thorn in the flesh. It's a constant reminder of an irritant that just doesn't go away. Now I got you there, don't I? Oh, that doesn't sound fun at all. That's right. And that's why Paul said, you know, God, it would be good for me, I think, if you would take that away from me now. Have you ever prayed like that? Have you ever wanted to be taken out of a storm? Have you ever wanted to have that thorn removed from you so it would be easier, more fun, more pleasant? 
more fulfilling? Of course you have. But watch this. He was able to see from God's perspective. First of all, he already said that. But let's look at this. This is also interesting. The thorn did not come from God, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And for this thing I besought the Lord three times, or thrice, that it might be depart from me. And he said unto me, these are red letter, these are words from Jesus, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, two things that we want to write down, right? I don't care that you can write them down, but I'm going to just write them down quickly here. Two things, two more things in our study of grace, two more things that grace gives us is sufficiency. Someone help me with the spelling. How did I do? Is it close? Close enough. Sufficient. Very good. Oh, that was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Sufficiency. Now, that means it's all that's needed is ours. It's complete. It's full. There's nothing else we need. It's sufficient. Did you see that? My grace is sufficient for you. Regardless of what that thorn is, whatever it is, you know what? You can be full in me right now, no matter what else is going on. Oh, that's good, isn't it? It's sufficient. The second one was, did you see this? This is a paradox. Tell me, someone tell me what a paradox is. What is a paradox? <laughs> that's good. That's an example, isn't it? That's, that's an example, a jumbo shrimp. Yeah. <laughs> good grief. There's another one. Good grief, right? So what are you doing? There's like, it shouldn't mix. It should be like oil and water, shouldn't it? It's, it's, it's opposites, and yet it seems to fulfill the fullness of what's described when we put them together. That's exactly what I want you to see now. As Jesus says, the words are, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Isn't that beautiful? You want to really be strong? Just be weak. Oh, that's easy for me, isn't it? I'm very weak. And that's how the grace of God works even more strong. So you know what? Grace is so powerful. There is power in grace. Because grace is given when we are totally and completely weak. We have nothing to give. Aren't you glad you didn't have anything to trade in on grace? It wouldn't have been enough. In fact, there's people that are still trying to trade stuff in for grace. I've got some good works. Can I I trade these good works in for grace? And, and, And Jesus says, no. No, I don't want anything because there's nothing that you could trade for. There's nothing remotely close to value. Do you see what I'm saying? The weaker we are, the stronger we become in grace. It's beautiful, isn't it? Paul was able to capture that. In fact, look at this, what he says. Uh, The rest of verse 9, most gladly. Oh, I love it. Most gladly. Now, where's the thorn? Careful. Where's the thorn right now? He still got it. Now, we don't know what that is. In fact, it's worrisome to think about what he had that the thorn was in the flesh. I'm just going to, it's just like a thorn in the flesh. It's like it never goes away. It's, oh, would that thing please go away? No, it's not going to. He still has the thorn. But he has a different perspective. I want you to remember that word today, perspective. In verse 9, it says this, Most gladly, therefore, because of what Jesus just said, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And that is only through God's grace. 
That cannot happen aside from God's grace. It will not, cannot, just impossible. God's grace. You're still sitting back. I see a few of you saying, you promised that you would tell us the secret of endurance. So let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Oh, before you do that, stop, stop. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, and let's look at, let's dial into verse 10. Watch this. Now this is Peter, the one that spoke a lot before he thought. But you can tell from after reading 1 and 2 Peter that he had seasoned wonderfully. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. Toward the end of the first letter, it says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, that's mature, established, that's fixed, strengthened, and settle you. That's the purpose of what Jesus Christ came to do. Now back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's go back to our text. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I really want to zero in on verses 16. We're going to start in verse 15 because it it really sets us up. But there, verses 15 through 18. And we're going to look at three things. And and if you want to call them secrets, because, see, when I say the word secret, you're more tuned in. Right? Have you ever had somebody, I want to tell you a secret. And it's like, whoa, as opposed to, let me just share a couple of things with you. All right. But when I say the word secret, that's what I'm hoping anyway. How you doing? Secret. Look at the ears are up, right? Secret of endurance. Here we go. So let's go now to verse 15 of chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. It says this. For all things are for your sakes that the, I want you to say, the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Does anyone know what redound means? What, what was it? Overflow? Yeah, it's, it's to add a great deal to. Okay, just, just immense amounts to. And you, did you see that? The abundant grace with our thanksgiving would add immense amounts to the glory of God. Isn't that beautiful? That's beautiful. So it's all about the abundant. Did you see? I love that word. See, I just can't stop seeing that. It wasn't just the grace. Paul said the abundant grace. In other words, if everyone was asking for God's grace at the same time, getting saved at the same time, and then there was some in all the midst of that, oh, you know what? I've sinned and I need the grace. There's enough for everyone. There's not a shortage. There's a lot of other shortages going on, isn't there? There's a shortage of perceive truth today. There's a lot of people that don't even believe in truth. There's a shortage of, you might be water. In, in Florida today, you could probably make money selling water. There's a lot of places that you could do a lot because of shortages, per, perceived or not perceived. Look at this. Though. Grace is something that never runs out because Jesus got it all done. The full amount. Not a shortage. I, I'm glad to know that. But let's keep going. Now watch carefully. That abundant grace that might through the thanksgiving of many add to mightily the glory of God for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, 
yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Now, it's obvious he's pointing to two different aspects of man. Tell me what the inward versus the outer man is. What, which is which? What are we talking? What's he, what's he getting at here? Because this is secret number one. You say, That's secret number one? Yes, it is. It's, now, what was, the, what was the key word I asked you to just remember a little bit ago? This is a test, and you, you will flunk if you don't know it. That means what it means is we've got to start all the way back at the beginning. And, oh, so somebody needs to get this. And I know, I know, I know Alice wrote it down. And a little pressure, not much pressure, but just a little pressure. What was it that's really important? Now, this is key to you as well. For you to have the secrets of endurance, it's going to be very important that you understand that you must have the right perspective. Thank you. You got them out of so much trouble. You can't believe it how much trouble you got them out of. Yeah, we're grading on the curve, yeah. Perspective. You know, see, Paul's perspective was key, a key component, an overall arching of the secret to endurance. He must see things the right way. I'm going to leave it just that way. Just the right way. Yes. Yeah. Say it just, just a bit louder for me, please. He was born not to go to the Jews, and I think where he got so much strength that he thought he was just too good to have this flesh when, when that's how he got into so much trouble. That's why he wanted to go to the oh, you know, Okay, let, let's, let's take... So, so let's say okay. that he got, he got struck down with the flesh. He went through all that, but he still had the bill to go to the Jews and say, I can get this, and then you are free. And... And, and the other part of that, let's take what Steve say. Let's take what Steve's saying for a moment. One of the things we could say is, um, a lot of the, the struggles that we've seen, the troubles in his life, was because Paul, who was a Jew, trained by what was that Pharisee? What was his name? Gamaliel. Um, you know, he was he was he was like way up there, and it was like he was steered towards. And you know, did you see of the of the of the Jews? He was what was it beaten five times? It was, you know, just wham. And, and part of it was because of how he went to the Gentiles, which were very much off limits. If you lived in that day and age and somebody said that the Jew, I'm sorry, the Gentiles could, could have the same access to Jesus Christ or the Messiah. Now, I'm saying Messiah for the Jews' perspective. They didn't believe Jesus was because of just the whole thing that surrounded it. And they couldn't believe that a carpenter's son could be the Messiah. Numerous other things. And yet to say that the Gentile would have the same access as a Jew, that, that's, that's taboo. And so a lot of the things that, that Paul found himself doing, which he was instructed to do, literally led him on a course, a collision course with trouble. And I, I see your point, okay? So the flesh side of him brought some of that about. Was that, was that, was that your position? Yeah. Okay. And that is, it is absolutely wide open, wide open. And that was the thing that angered the Jews so immensely was because what, wh- whose God was theirs now has become ours. And that's why the Judaizers chased in behind. You remember the, the letter to the Galatians? What a wonderful, what a wonderful picture. What, in other words, wait a minute. Well, at least if they'll just become a Jew, 
Then they can have Jesus, but we don't have them to just have Jesus without kind of doing our stuff. And that's what Galatians is about, adding legalism to the sense of it's not can't just be by faith in Jesus. It's got to be something else. And all of those things revolve around the severity of Paul's sufferings, no question about it. Do, do, does anyone remember the question I asked you? Because I just forgot it. Excuse me? Oh, the secrets. Yes, the secrets of endurance. I was thinking I asked a question, but maybe I didn't. So let's keep going. Do you remember? No, it has to do with perspective. What did you say? Perspective? Yeah, you did. You answered that. Where were we? Steve, what did you answer to? What, did, what were you answering in regard to? Because there's, there's a, there was a direction I was going. Do you remember? Why did you respond like, uh, that's a terrible question. Do you remember? Okay, that, that's where we work inward and out, outward. Excuse me? Okay, it's bad when the teacher lost place. I, I apologize. So I flunked. Right now I flunked, right? I'm in, I'm, yo, you're grading on the curve. What was that? Seeing things the right way. Seeing the thing. Seeing the things right way, okay. Well, let's come back. Maybe we'll get back there. Is, is tell me the difference between the inner man and the outer man. The flesh. Okay. Okay. Which, which one, now, in a, in a Christian, now, again, I'm, all, of this, all of this that we're sharing today is for those that have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you haven't, you, you need to take just a time out. You can, you can listen, but it's not for you. But if you trust Christ, even in these moments right now, all of this stuff becomes yours. And the power, the secrets of endurance become yours as well as they unfold because that's where it's all at is the strength that comes to you from Jesus, the power within, back to the crackpots, holding that beautiful spirit. The inner man, now I'm going to come back to inner and outer. Okay, so the outer man is that thing that's, that's the outside of you, right? It's the flesh. It's the part that... Fallen nature, okay? Yeah, and I, I'm going to even say just, just the whole outer man, if you will. That, that thing that, guess what's happening to it? How, how, many, how many today, now today is September 1st. Can you imagine, where did summer go, by the way? Can someone tell me it evaporated? So here we are, September 1st. Yesterday was August 31st. How many got younger today than they were yesterday? If you raise your hand, you either miss understood the question or you need help because literally each and every day is one day older and our physical our, that's that's the other word i want to use is our physical body our outer man literally is decaying and getting older every single hour minute second just in the time i've been belaboring this point you've gotten older <laughs> you're saying I, I can't get that back you're right excuse me <laughs> just hold with me, Ernie. Ernie's depressed. We're going we're, we're to hold him. Though. You just stay right with us because we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. But here we got, we got the outer man, which is decaying, and, and it's going downhill. Now, what, where was all of the trouble, and all the trouble you have, all the trouble that I have, all the trouble Paul has, to what is that really exerted upon? Your outer man. Now, you know what happens when you... I, I think I'm going to get this right. Troubles that are exerted upon the outer man literally have the capability to make the inner man. That's the spiritual part of you. That's the part that's growing stronger because you're in Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not in Jesus Christ, this does not, it does not help you. 
But if you've trusted Christ, that spiritual man, that inner part of you, which Jesus is, has regenerated, made a brand new creature according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that becomes stronger every single moment. And you say, what? Yes, under the power of the process of sanctification. Now, positionally, you're saved. Sanctification-wise, you're in a growth process. And that doesn't mean it's perfect. Like last year, uh, let's say September 1st of 2018 and September 1st, 2019, there was never a bad moment spiritually. Larry, you're, you're right. That's not right. Someone said three steps forward. I couldn't count quite right. And two steps back. Three steps. You see, there's progress, but it's not perfect. We still have that flesh nature. But here's what I'm trying to get at. Paul's perspective was not on the outer man. Paul's perspective was on the inner man, which is becoming stronger, and it can't be diminished. And so often, our troubles, our struggles, all of those things we see is based upon the external, the outer man, that that totally takes us out of our game, doesn't it? The inner man, the more, in fact, you show me Paul, for instance, at the end of his life where he said, I've fought the good fight. All of those things that have pressed him, all of those troubles that he has taken, what has it done for him? It has made his inner man stout. He is strong. You show me a mature Christian, man or woman, that's went through a whole lot of stuff, and I'll show you someone, that the inner man is on fire for God. Because those struggles, those troubles drive us to God, making the inner man even stronger. Let's go and read our verse again now, having just said that. Let's go to verse 17, whoops, verse 16. For which cause, that abundant grace, we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Isn't that good? First secret is, is to value the inner man more than the outer man. That's the perspective that must be there. That's, you say, that's a secret? Well, I'm going to tell you something. When you, when, you, when you value the outer man more than the inner one, guess what happens? It's a spiral. Correct? Somebody can say amen, but it's okay if you don't. God's word's right here. So, <clears throat> trials in your physical life lead to spiritual strength. They drive you to God. His troubles will literally make him strong spiritually. Let's go to verse 17. For our light, now watch this. I'm thinking this is Paul that's writing this in his perspective. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Whoa, is this a different Paul that wrote this? What do you mean light affliction for a moment? Didn't I just read all this stuff to you? What's he thinking about? Can someone tell me what affliction is? How many of you had an affliction this week? I got Yeah, and you should. Everybody should raise their hand because you know what did I just tell you? You weren't listening earlier. If you're living, you're going to have trouble. Affliction is trouble. Philipsis. Philipsis is the Greek word for that. It's just that. It's trouble. It's not going well. But it's, he said our light, it's a, it's, a, it's a measly, skimpy problem for just a moment. Now, did you, do you remember all those things we read about? Did you, do you remember all those? What's he thinking? Aha. What did I say? What's the key word? I'm, I'm pointing now. Perspective. perspective. What's his perspective on affliction? Watch it. Watch it. Let's read it again. 
Verse, oh, we didn't even finish reading it, did we? I got off on track. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Working for us, another way of saying that is preparing us. Preparing us. Let's go to, hold me to a place, we'll be right back. Romans chapter 8. Dial into Romans chapter 8, verse 17 and 22. Romans chapter 8. Is that baby on high, Paul? Let's do that. I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little hot here right now. Romans chapter 8. And let's look at verses um, 17 and 18. Thank you. <laughs> well, verse 18 particularly. Romans chapter 8, verse 8. Watch this. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall, re- which shall be revealed in us. He's looking at it somewhat of the sense of preparation, that working for us. If we're back to verse 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, I want you to, have you ever had, have you ever seen that weight? Um, I'm sorry, a scale. I, I don't have one. I would have brought it. But just think about it for a moment now. We've got, we've got uh, what, what, a platform, if you will. There's, there's the fulcrum. Okay, how am I doing? Are you, are you picking this up? Here's, here, here, I'm going to draw it now with my fingers because I can't do it on the board. Uh, here's the fulcrum. And coming down, there's one tray on one side, and there's one tray on the other. Okay? Are you all there? Now, what he's telling us, this is really what he's doing right now, is he's taking all of the afflictions, all of the troubles, all of those things that we just talked about, we read for several chapters, it seemed like, and he's putting them on one tray. He's on the left. I made that up, but he's putting it on one tray, okay? And then, so what do you think is happening? Oof, coming to, that's heavy, right? What are you thinking right now? That's heavy. You take all your troubles, it's heavy. It's really, really heavy. It's so heavy. I don't think anything could actually balance it out. Right? It's heavy. How am I doing? You guys getting this? Yeah. Now look what he... It's heavy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay, on the other side, now watch this. This is really cool. This is perspective again. Right, Alice? Yeah. Right, best. Very good. Now, we've got all of the afflictions, which he's just described as being light, which I'm, I'm astounded by, but watch what he offsets it, and he puts in the other in the other tray. Watch it. Watch carefully. Let's go back. Verse 17, it says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment... That's left side left tray, worketh preparing for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. What he's just done now is he's saying all of that glory which is out in the future, all of those things that Jesus Christ has promised, all of the things that grace secures, I'm going to put that on the right side. Guess what happens? The heavy afflictions go flink and almost throws them in the air because it's so heavy, the weight of glory that there's just, if that's why he calls them the light affliction and for a moment. What do you think of that? That's the secret of endurance. Is understanding that what he's going through, in fact, I'm convinced, that's why he sang hymns in midnight. When he and Silas were in, have you ever been in stocks? What's that? Pretend, yeah. There was, there was one place, I cannot think of where it was, but there was actually a, a place we visited. And it had, have you ever seen him? Stocks? Okay. Did you go in them? Did you put your hands in them? My grandson, I put him in. Oh, you put your grand. <laughs> this is a man of grace. He put his grandson in the stocks. Thank you for your honesty, though. God bless you. Okay. How did he feel about it? Well, of course, 
Oh, he enjoyed it. Because it was what? It was for a moment. Yeah. Oh, that, that ties in beautifully today. I'm so excited right now because that's exactly how Paul saw it. He says, this is but a moment. I'm going to sing to God right now. That whipping that I just took, it's but for a moment. Do you, do you, do you see it? Do you see exactly where he's at? It's beautiful. The first two secrets. What's the first one? Let's see if we're listening. You have to value, and that's the word, we want to use, I want to use that word value, because it's, what are we really valuing? Paul was valuing the inner man, that spiritual man that literally is growing and being renewed. He said, renewed day by day. And secondly, it's perspective on the real value of the future, the glory, the weight, the heaviness. That word is baros to be heavy. Think of that for a moment. Everything else is lightweight compared to eternal glory. Not just any glory, eternal glory. Now, how you doing? You ready for the last one? I want Before you do, though, turn to Colossians chapter 3. Part of this, if you want to see his perspective, you'll see it in Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians. Just, just as a... Lynn, how, how long did you leave him in there? That was three seconds. Okay, very good. Thank you. But Colossians chapter 3, let's look then at verses 1 and 2. I love this. Again, looking at what is important, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ. And again, you see the conditionalism. Uh, if, you, if you're not in Christ, if you, haven't, if you haven't trusted him, then this, I'm not talking to you. But if you have been, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above not things on the earth. Now, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, because it sets us up perfectly, verse, verse 18. Verse 16 talks about the inward man versus the outward man. Uh, verse 17 talks about the afflictions versus the eternal weight of glory. And verse 18 says this. Now, the first three words, at least in the King James, says this. While we look, while we look, while we look, that's extremely important. And what was our key word again, Alice? Perspective. perspective. You see, it's starting to roll off her tongue now. It's coming along, coming along nicely. So perspective has a lot to do with how you see things. While we look, how do you look at your problems? Boy, do I look at my problem. I'm dialing into that problem. Boy, that problem's a pain in the neck. I wish that problem would go away. That problem is so big, it's so monstrous, it's such a pain in the neck. It is a thorn. But I can see that problem. Right? What are you focusing? What are you looking at? I hope that was over the top, like, you were so weird. But, but, I want, but it's really what we do, isn't it? We're really looking at our problem. And the bigger the problem gets, the smaller God becomes to you. That's why we worry. That's why we have anxiety attacks. That's why we have all of this stuff going on in our lives, because we looked, while we look at the problem, God gets smaller. Now, no, God doesn't get smaller but he does to us. Because what do we... That's the word I want you to see for the third secret. Focus. Focus, focus. What are you looking at? Right? No one's answering. Okay. Right. <laughs> Very good. Here we go. Let's see what he's saying. That while we look... Watch not. Watch this. While we look not at the things which are seen... Well, what would that be? 
That would be the trouble. That would be the problem. That would be all the things that are just the thorn in the flesh to us. He said, what did he say? While we're looking not at those things, oh, let's see what he's looking at then. He says, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Wow. How many do that really well? Do you guys have a master's degree in looking at the things that are unseen? Did you, do, did you get a collegiate course in that? That'd be uh, Unseen Things 101. Well, that would be a class now, wouldn't it? Our life is but a vapor. Hey, that's really cool, isn't it? Our life is but a vapor. Isn't that and James? He said, but he talked about that, didn't he? And you know what? That's the other thing that really, the perspective that Paul had was he saw... It's interesting. You know, the shortest period of time in your eternity. Now, when you, when you were conceived, God put life within you, and so began from that point forward an eternal... Think of that for... Eternal. Have you ever looked at this? If you look at someone on a... Uh, just think of how short this is. Let's say that you just went to a, uh, a graveyard... And let's say someone was born in 1938. I have no idea why I came up with that. And they went to 2007. Okay? I have no one in mind. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't make any more than that. Let's not do that. Let's, let's not do that. Let's do that different. Yeah, let's do I would, Are you kidding? I just... Okay, let's not do that. I, I, let's not do that. Let's go way back. Let's go 18... 1801. And I, I was going to add something, but you know where I was going, but I'm not going to do that. I was going to ask, is there anyone born then? But no, we're not. Okay. And let's go 1892. Okay? Did you, did you see that now? That's interesting. Now, see what you're keying on? You're keying on 1801. You're keying on 1892. All of those years are literally represented by a dash. That whole lifespan is right there in that dash. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Your your level of physical life, whatever it ends up being, that last from the beginning to the end physically is nothing more than a blip. Blip. Because eternity goes forever. And that word temporal. You see what he said? I'm not looking at the temporal. What do you mean temporal? What does that mean? Things that are time-possessed. Who created time? God did. There's a beginning of time and there's... I guess an end of time, because if eternity is beyond either side of it, God was before, and he is, and he shall be. Think of that. So anything that's constructed or, or defined by time, don't pay attention to that. That's what he said. I'm not looking at that stuff. Now, that's a big list of stuff, isn't it? Tell me the stuff that's not defined by time. Uh, well, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's not defined. There's like... Um, um, can somebody help me? And uh, what, what's that? A chair. A chair. Pretty. See, it has a life expectancy, right? Started, ended, right? Okay, that wasn't it. So let's keep going. Let's keep guessing. I like this. It's a guessing game. She guessed chair, and she was wrong. Okay, let's keep going. In a good way. In a good way. My perspective. Absolutely. Your perspective is off. That's okay, though. Here we go. Let's keep moving. We're having fun, Alice. This is all fun now. We're all good. Okay. What is timeless? What would be timeless? What would be outside of the sense of temporal? Because this, this is key. This is what Paul is focusing on. Our soul. Our soul. God. God the Father. God the Son. And God the Holy Spirit. Those are eternal. Those are timeless. 
They're not temporal. Did you see, do you see the concept, what he's doing? Do you see his perspective? All of those things, whether it's a chair, whether it's a timepiece, whether it's a computer, whether it's a house, whether it's a mountain, whether it's anything that literally became into being in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Those are all timed events. And the universe is coming to a close someday. And Paul said right now, we weren't looking at those things. Whoa. How many of you are looking at those things? Hey, don't, everybody's hand goes up. Of course you do. You're living, you're living life. That's why we have trouble. Because we're looking at all that stuff that's temporal. Now, I'm not picking on you because I'm the same way. I'm exactly the same way. But you know, Ernie kicked on the other one. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Those are timeless. It's one God, three personalities. But the other thing that's very much timeless is men and women's souls. And what do you think Paul spent all of his time working at? Oh, my goodness, right? It was all about God and it was about other souls. And you know why he didn't see troubles? Because he didn't look at them. Didn't phase him. Am I too over the top, too animated today? I'm so not sorry. Because this is what God's word is saying to us, isn't it? You want secrets to endurance? The three are right there for us. And Paul lived them dynamically. Isn't this, if you look at another one, you don't think, the one that probably, well, there's no question about it. Boy, the most pain innocently of anyone ever is Jesus Christ. He bore the pain, the suffering of a cross for us. I want you to see this now. Is we're actually preparing for our communion service today, a time of us to, re, to, to be reminded, to be refreshed in what Jesus accomplished. But let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm just thinking of this right now. Hebrews chapter 12. How beautiful is this? Now, first of all, he warms us up. The writer of Hebrews warms us up in verse 1 of chapter 12 this way. But Now, you're all familiar with the hall of faith, or the chapter of faith. What do you want to call it in chapter 11 of Hebrews? What a, I'm a, that's your homework for tonight. Go to Hebrews chapter 11 and read that chapter, and you're going to see men and women of the Old Testament that literally, I mean, these were people of faith. They're looking forward beyond. I know I'm so blessed, and so are you. I'm going to just say that. I don't know if you feel that way or not, but you are so blessed that you're on this side of Calvary Street. You're on this side of Jesus Christ. Think of Abram. Think of Moses. Think of all of those Old Testament saints that literally saw Jesus without knowing his name from a distance because God had said in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, I'm going to provide a redeemer for you. And they believed it. It's so much easier for me to be able to pick up my Bible and it says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. <gasps> That's Jesus. Abram didn't know that. But he trusted God and was counted him for righteousness. That's what chapter 11 of Hebrews is all about. I'm sorry for long-winding that, but that's what sets all up chapter 12. Let's go there. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now watch. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed or surrounded about with so great a cloud of witnesses, those listed in chapter 11, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience. That sounds like endurance. The race that is set before us. Now watch. Oh, doesn't this sound? I could have preached right out of here. Look at that. Looking unto Jesus. <laughs> How perfect is that? What does this say? Focus on Jesus. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Watch this. 
who for the pain that was set before him, for the excruciating trouble that was set before him. And you see what I'm doing? It's all wrong. It says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For we for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Did you see it? What's the key word in what Paul did, Alice? Perspective. 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 He looked beyond and outside of what we normally would look at. He looked at the inner man, which was actually being strengthened through the very thing that they were trying to... In fact, again, it's so interesting as I look back on, uh, on those that were martyred or were in a position of, uh, of severe persecution. It's amazing. What they were trying to do to the outer man actually strengthened them. Uh, the second one is value... Oh, I hope we don't have to start over again. <laughs> you can't believe how long you don't want me to start over again. What is it? Remember what it was? It was remember, remember the scale, right? You can't forget that. Yeah. Heavy, heavy, heavy afflictions. No, it's light afflictions because it was the weight of glory to come. Valuing the future versus this blip in time. And number three, to focus on the things that are eternal. And that's a small set, isn't it? It's a small set. And it's amazing. I, I, wonder, I wonder this, and I'm not, I'm not being accusatory in any way, shape, or form. How much of your time in a week is spent thinking or being consumed by, controlled by, I'm looking for words now, of things that are, what was that? Yeah, there you go. That are things that are temporal. What percentage of our time is set, spent on the things that are terrible? In other words, those aren't the things above. Those are the things that are below. Do you see why we're so exasperated by trouble? It's because of what we're looking at. Now, I am not in any way standing before you acting as if I've got this figured out. The, God, the Word of God speaks to me just like it does to you. But if we would pay attention to those three secrets, our lives would be enriched, fulfilled, and outstanding, regardless of whatever happens to us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's close this portion in prayer. Uh, just one second, one second. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Can't do that. Um, I would like to, are you okay with a few more minutes? Very good, because if you would have said no, it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered, right? Yeah. Let's go to Philippians for just a second. Philippians chapter... I love this Philippians because it really tells us about a man that... You know, you know you've, you've probably had uh, someone that they said one thing, but they really didn't do that. It was kind of like a hypocrite. It was someone that they didn't really live what they said they did. Paul wasn't like that. I'm, I'm going to look at it. I'm, I'm going I'm to take you to Philippians, a, a, a book about joy, and... and Quickly, uh, tell me, give me the setting. Where's Paul at? What's he up to? What's, what's going on in his life right now? What, what's going on? Um, he's in jail. He's in prison, enjoying life, watching television, checking out the library. No, very, very bad conditions. Absolutely. How could he be writing a book about joy? He must be sick. No, guess what? Three secrets to endurance. What are they? He was looking at the inner man. He was looking at his eternal glory in the future, and he was not focused on 
the externals, the temporals. He was focused on eternal. Okay? Watch. Watch what he says in chapter 4 of Philippians. Verse 13. I can do all things. Oh, actually, let's start with verse 12. I know both how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You know what he's really saying? It's just as simple. If you get nothing else out of today and, and you've trusted Christ, there's only three words you need to remember. Just three words. And you're wondering what those three words are, aren't you? I'm going to write them down. God is enough. That's all you need. That's literally all you need. And you say, you took that much time out of our lives to tell us that. Yes, I did. <laughs> That's what I was, we could have just started there, right? God is enough. He's sufficient. He's powerful. He provides perspective. He promotes endurance. And he promotes praise. What a wonderful God we have. John Newton actually said this. It was in a sermon. It, w- it was interesting. It was a sermon when his wife passed away, which uh, many of you know who John Newton is, right? The guy that wrote Amazing Grace. And uh, there was a part of the verse, through many toils, dangers, and snares. Right? That's trouble. That's trouble. And he was, he was picturing that, and John Newton had a lot of those coming to him too, didn't he? A lot of them his own making. It's amazing how many troubles I have that I... Oh, that was dumb, right? But you know what? John Newton still, toward the end of his life, as he had, he had pastored churches, and he had really... T- I mean, he, was, he, was, he knew the secrets to endurance. He was looking at the inner man. He was looking beyond to the future glory, of, and he was also looking at the things that were eternal. But he said this at his wife's funeral. It was part of a quote, and it said this. But those who know him, that's Jesus Christ, and trust him... Be of good courage. He will give them strength in their day of need. That is about as succinct as that I can think of. Isn't that good? That's good stuff. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your love and care. Thank you for your grace that empowers us. It's sufficient for us provides perspective for us, promotes praise to you, and promotes endurance. Father, thank you for all that you've accomplished in Jesus Christ. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your concern. Thank you, Father, that you care about us. You cared enough to save us. And ultimately, Father, grace has done so many other things that we sometimes don't even end up taking into perspective. Yes, it's conquered the penalty of sin, but it's also conquered the power of sin. It has given us unbelievable status and position in Jesus Christ forever. And all glory goes to you. Thank you, Father, for what you're accomplishing. Take these that are here today. We'd ask that you wrap your arms around them, protect them from the evil one. Allow them, Father, to be immersed in your love and your grace. And may they receive it in a way that will allow them, Father, to unfold the secrets of the endurance that Paul spoke of today. We want to honor you. We want to give you all of ourselves. Thank you for relationally taking and opening us into a new level. 
Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives, day by day, moment by moment. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we go to our time of uh, communion, I'm going to ask that Paul would pass out the bread. And anyone that has trusted Christ as Savior is certainly welcome to participate. It's a picture that Jesus Christ was surrounded himself with his disciples certainly toward the very end of his life, physical life on earth here. And it was a precious time that he and his disciples had. Go ahead. And as Paul is passing out the bread, I would like for us to be careful. We're going to spend a little bit of time quietly, just one-on-one, you and God. There's a lot of things going on in that meeting on that night, that supper time, and there was a lot of contention about who was the greatest because they were sure Jesus was going to become the king of everything, and the Romans would be displaced. Israel would be once and for all the, the nation that was God's and would be over the whole world. And Jesus quieted that night by something by action, which he's so good at. He's, he, he, he just literally stripped himself down to the waist and began washing the disciples' feet unannounced, just began washing their feet, and I'm sure the place just got super quiet. Just super quiet. It would have just become immersed with what the Savior was trying to tell them in action. And from that point on, I'm sure the meeting took a different tone, a different circumstance, shall we say. For these moments now, just for a couple of moments, just let's spend time quietly preparing our hearts for that Savior that laid it all on the line, took upon him the persecution, all of that suffering so that we could be rejoined to God through a gift of salvation, that grace that we've been talking about. So Laramie, if you would, please play something soft as we contemplate. Crazy, upside down, losing perspective, losing a focus for the things that are eternal, Father. Change our hearts. Thank you for Jesus, for all that he's done. Father, I pray for this bread that is representative of our Savior's broken body that literally within hours would be hanging on a cross, dying for the sins of the world, dying for me. Father, we offer ourselves to you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your care. Thank you for the completeness of the sacrifice. And now, Father, we rest upon you as being the God of all. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. Again, I would ask that Paul, as he passes out the cup, that we think about this, the, the completeness of what it was accomplished on Calvary's tree, the immensity of it. It's overwhelming as you take your heart and closing your eyes and just putting yourself watching your Savior laying it all on the line enduring it not for Him but for us He took it all He took it all it was laid on Him the darkness of that cross from noon till 3 o'clock where the Father even turned away. It's told in the Bible. 
the isolation, the aloneness, the suffering, the intensity, the overwhelming must have been excruciating. And that's not the pain physically. We're talking about the anguish of which our Savior endured. Sin that he'd never witnessed, he'd never understood, and yet he wore and bore the pain of it. But he did it for the joy of reuniting what had been lost. What power, what awesomeness, what beauty in suffering. That's our Jesus. That's the Jesus that shines through in those cracks in clay pots. Father, we're comfort, comforted in resting in your plan, in grace that you provided. Thank you. Ernie, I'm going to ask that you would uh, say a blessing on the cup, please. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we hold this cup in our hands. It represents Jesus' shed blood on the cross, a covering for our sins. We just want to thank you for that, the sacrifice that you took coming out of heaven, coming down here on earth, the very creatures that you uh, created. On that night, Jesus said, he took the cup, he gave thanks, he gave it to them, and he said, drink you all of it, for this is my blood and the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Let's partake together. Again, Father God, we thank you for all that was accomplished. We look with anticipation to one day when we will commune and to sup with our Savior, the one that will bear the wounds, the scars, the nail prints for all of eternity for what sin cost. The endurance of our Savior is incredible. Thank you for fulfilling what was needed, what was provided, or what was required so that we could be provided for the perfect sacrifice. We give you our praise, we give you our thanks, we give you our honor, we glorify you, for it was all done for our good. Thank you now in Christ's name.